Hello, I have the lovely Marie with me. Hiya Marie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, my name is Marie Ann Cope and that's the that's the name I write under. I go by Marie Cope in normal life, you know, business life and stuff. Just that little differential and it's always Anne with an E. Everybody spells it without an E and they wonder why they can't find me. So um, a little bit about myself. Well, I was born down south in Marlow upon the Thames. So I was christened in the church on the Thames, but I've lived most of my life in the north of England. I grew up in Manchester, moving over to North Wales about in 2005 with work and then I got made redundant but I ended up staying because I, I just love the place really so it's a lot quieter pace of life than Manchester anyway it's like when I go home to see my parents it's like nope don't want to live here again but uh yeah so I I'm not one of these writers that's written all my life because I, I haven't I I did write a, a short story when I was at school um I think it must have been a a task that the teacher set for us and I'd seen a certain, should we say, shark film that maybe I shouldn't have seen at the tender age I was. So I thought, right, exercise book, coloured in the page in a nice yellow, you know, it's a beach, severed arm, completely blood dripping out of it. And my version of said, said shark film, the teacher was absolutely horrified. She wrapped me on the knuckles with a metal ruler and told me never, ever to write anything like that again. And that that was it I never wrote anything until my mid-20s when I started writing short stories and uh, submitted them for competitions didn't get very far but I did get a couple of stories picked up to be published in horror magazines and then I went from there really and it was when I went I went to a wedding in the early 2000s with my then husband and um, it was in a church in Shropshire and I'm not a fan of weddings, so I was looking all around the place other than where I was supposed to be looking. And there was a stone coffin sarcophagus at the back of the church, which I thought was a bit unusual in a village church. So I was looking at it and all of a sudden these just these images and pictures and stories started appearing. And that was the premise for my first novel bonds. So that's where that came, that's where the, the novel came from. So um any, well, do you want to work-wise? Do you want to know a little bit about work? And stuff? Yeah, people are usually nosy. They like to know what you do when you're not writing, yeah. so you may as well. Yeah, why not? Why not? Well, I didn't want to go to university, so after I'd done my A-levels and dropped a few so they couldn't make me sit Oxbridge, which is what they wanted me to do, I went to work for NatWest Bank. I'd always, Don't ask me why. I can't answer this. I'd always wanted to work in a bank. After I'd cleaned vomit off the cash machine for the third time and off the step, I decided maybe not anymore. But I stuck it out for six years and then I went back to uni full time to do my degree, paid, put myself through um, you know, a business studies degree. And I then trained to become an accountant, which my parents find highly amusing given I hated maths at school. I was never very good at it. I said, it's not about maths, it's about common sense. And business acumen. Anyway, so I trained with KPMG, you know, passed, passed the exams eventually, um, but then went back out into industry. So I've worked in the food industry. I've worked in the chemical industry. I've worked in pharmaceuticals. I've worked in telecoms. And about five years, I gave it all up and went self-employed. Um, I wish it was to become a full-time writer, but unfortunately not yet. So I now run my own business. I do VAT returns. Really exciting for a living, but they pay the bills, keep the roof over my head, and the writing is what, what I do. I've also used to teach yoga prior to the pandemic. I'm a trained yoga teacher. Prior to the pandemic, I was teaching 
but I've decided to, to, I haven't gone back after the pandemic. There's a lot of things I sort of dropped to focus straight in on the writings. I used to be run a, I used to have a radio show um, once, once fortnight on local radio. I used to run a book club, you know, all these things that took all your time off. And it's funny how during lockdown, you kind of gave us the space to think, do I really need to be doing all these things? And I just thought, I can't do them now anyway. Good time to drop it, drop things and just focus in on the writing, really. So, yes, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Probably more than I've told any other person before. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so what drew you to horror, writing horror? Um, well, I've got a very dark imagination, you know, and I think my dad, he's not so much now, but when, when I was young, um, 70s and early 80s, he liked to watch the Hammer films and um, Vincent Price, Dr. Fives. I remember sitting and watching Dr. Fives with my dad. Absolutely, My mum was like, don't let her watch that. He's, She's fine. No, and then... I remember watching and falling head over heels in love with Frank Langella or Langella, however you pronounce it, when he played Dracula. And that was it for me. It was him, it was Dracula, it was the whole character, the whole ethos of the vampires is the, you know, all right, yes, they're deadly. And I like the fact they're deadly, but they're also that romantic, erotic sort of creature. And there's something about it that just captured me. And I think it's just gone from there, really. And that's probably why vampires feature in my first series and stuff but yeah so okay so if you were to take out any one of your characters for a meal who would you choose and what would you ask them oh what would I ask them well who this god that's a good one I think it would be Kate McLean who was in Bonds Rebound which is the third book in my series she is um, part of the casting crew, which is a highway, highway persons, that's being politically correct. She's the only woman in this, this group. Um, and I just found her, as I was writing her, I was so excited to be writing her, especially because I didn't, she's got a huge backstory that suddenly came into me, which hasn't gone into the book, which would make a book of its own, really. But it's just asking her what it would be like to to be with Jules Carson, who is the main highwayman, because he's not a nice person. And she's head over heels in love with him. It's like, why? What is this? What is it about this guy? You know, other than in my head, he looks exactly like Yul Brynner. <laughs> Maybe that's what she'll say to me. She'll, well, she won't because obviously it was hundreds of years ago, but she might say something similar, but yeah, might be that. But yeah, she'd be the one I'd take out. Uh, which of your characters has been the most fun to write and which has given you most trouble? Oh, now, somebody asked me this the other day and I'm going to say something different. I think the hardest one would have been Inspector Jakes, who is the policeman in it, simply because I didn't want to make it a police procedural, but I wanted to make it believable enough people would think all right yeah that's fair enough he's in his factory does his own thing but not to because I didn't want to get into that whole oh well this isn't actually what they do it's not about a it's not about the police element that's not what they're about so um so I enjoyed writing him but it was also quite hard you know to say well I don't want to go too far with that I don't want to do this most fun oh 
I don't know. That's a really good question. It's probably the high women again, Jules and Kate and that, simply because they were so bad and back 1600s or whatever. They, the law wasn't like it is now. They got away with a lot more and, you know, they were cruel and they raped, pillaged, murdered, you know, and they were just mean. And that's quite, because you can play with that. But in the last book, in Eternal Bonds, I brought in the sirens and these were, the again, they were, they were characters I made. They're basically, they're mer mermaids, sirens, that sort of thing. But there's a bit of a slant on the traditional way we see mermaids and things like that they were fun to write because it's like creating these these sisters with all different personalities and the infighting and all that kind of thing so it's that oh hello who's this Pixie just come back <laughs> from a walk <laughs> excellent so yeah so I think my baddies I would say are the fun ones to write because you can you can play around with them and they're meant to be mean. So if they do something really off the wall, it's, it's fine. But when you've got your good guys you're writing about, you, you kind of think, well, no, they, they need to sort of behave themselves and they need to do this. But bad guys, you can go to town with your bad guys. Um, what's the most interesting thing you found researching your books? Or what was the biggest rabbit hole you fell down? Um, I don't do, I didn't do, re or haven't done research so far in my books because they are completely made up. And I suppose the rabbit holes you can fall down when you're writing about vampires is there's all these sorts of rules, but the more stuff you read and watch, you think, well, actually, the authors make the rules up as they go, all right, yes, there's, there is the one in theory, daylight, but if you vampire diaries, they have daylight rings. So, but I stick to that sort of rule and it's, it's that picking picking and choosing which bits you want to keep versus like Anthony and mine, he's cursed to be a vampire. So you can't stake him. Doesn't work. Doesn't do anything. You have to break the curse and only he can break it. So I, that's, that's how I kind of change that, that, that rule really. But um, yeah, crosses don't bother him and stuff like that, but you can't go out in daylight that burns werewolf venom you know, heart will start killing him from the inside. I don't know how accurate, I don't know how true that is to the, uh, to the rules of the suit of the paranormal, but yeah, that's that. But so far I've not researched because even the place, so Brecon, I've completely made, made it up. Although now you're not allowed to laugh at this, but I used to live in England. So I wrote, I created this town called Brecon, not realizing there is actually a Brecon in Wales. So I quickly changed the spelling of it before somebody says, actually, that's not there and this isn't there it's like no 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 completely made up place I've done, a, I've done a map of it I've done a whole map of the area and stuff but I think for because it's paranormal and fantasy sort of thing you can get away you can make it up it's different well no I've just because I've just changed genres so I'm just polishing a, a contemporary fiction novel at the minute and again I've made up where that is you know I might refer the characters might go to like, like one of them goes to Scotland to Edinburgh and the other go he goes off to do some work in Cambridge but the actual place where it's set completely fictitious yeah yeah I know a lot of authors um base their books on real places but change it ever so slightly so they don't yeah. so they have um artistic license with where yeah. things are and stuff so um yeah <laughs> don't blame you for making it fake. Well, it can be it can be hard because I've just been to see um I don't know whether you've Simon McCleave who's a thriller writer who lives in um not far from here actually and so we've got a carnival of words on in Wrexham which is like a literary festival at the moment 
So I've been to see him and people, because he sets his books, his first series was in Snowdonia and his new series is Anglesey. Well, he said, I get messages. Well, actually, if you want to get from this place to this place, that road really is not the best road you could use. It's like, <laughs> I, I was thinking, no, maybe it's fiction. It doesn't matter. You can't spend four hours traveling between things when you're reading a book. It's kind of got to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that just goes over his head in a way. He's a nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's lovely. <laughs> yeah, he's fun to talk to as well. I think the first time I interviewed him, we just laughed most of the time. Oh, no, he's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I've not read any of his stuff before, but I've bought his, because he's releasing his new series, so I've got hold of the book. Hoss off the press, apparently, because it's not been released yet. Lucky you. <laughs> awesome. I know. That's amazing. Um, as maybe completely forget. Oh no, that's fine. I was like, maybe completely forget what I was going to ask you. But um, do you have any phobias, and would you write about them? Um, I do have phobias. I have a, I have a phobia of snakes. Don't ask me why, because I've never encountered one in my life. However, my mother has. When she was at guide camp, she got went opened her sleeping bag, and there was a grass snake in it, and so she's always. So I've grown up watching my mother's reaction to snakes on the TV. And, you know, you're all sat there watching David Attenborough and all of a sudden the snake comes on and then your mother screams and runs up the settee and up the wall and you're like going, oh, so if I see that, I do that, right, gotcha. But no, because where I used to live, it's quite quite rural, there used to be um, slow worms everywhere, forever seeing them. The cats used to bring them in. And people say, he's only a worm. It's not, looks like a snake. So as far as I'm concerned, he's got a mouth. It is it, not a worm. Oh God, I remember coming home and there was one on the patio one day and I just stood there looking at it. And it, it had stopped and was looking at me and thought, we're not going to get very far, are we? Because I ain't moving till you move and you're not moving till I move. So I stood there for about half an hour, my heart going like this, for goodness sake. So when I write about it, um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done. It's a possibility. I could do, yeah. But I think it's more, I would like to be able to write about it from the point of view I've had the experience of, say, being bitten by one or something like that, so I know the aftermath of what happens. So, um, but, yeah, I think that's my only real phobia. I don't have a phobia. Well, am I afraid of sharks? I don't swim in the sea because of Jaws. Jaws has a lot to answer for. But I do love that film and the book. Brilliant. (laughs) I think it's a respect for the sea and what's in the sea and stuff like that. But yeah, terrified of snakes. I've got a funny story, actually. When I was in Australia, about, what was it, 2009, you know, they have big snakes in Australia, big deadly snakes. So I was doing all the driving. I remember, we, I don't know what, I think we were in per, um, Western Australia somewhere. We were driving down this road and there was this bloody big snake in the road. It was dead. Obviously, somebody had run it over. However... I, as my car went over it because you had no choice, I lifted my feet off the pedals. <laughs> oh, I was like, what are you doing that for? I said, snake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just that whole scenario, just no. Oh, no. It's when you go to the zoo, because I love Chester Zoo, it's when you go to the zoo and you see the big python curled up in the tank. And I will look at it, but, and like, but it's when it just suddenly an eye opens and looks at you you think okay bye yeah 
I know, I'm exactly the same as Snape. I've never encountered one. I've seen, um, I live in front of hills, so we get slow worms and stuff as well. Never an issue, but they just, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's just something about them. Ugh. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> no, I don't, and it's weird, isn't it? It's totally irrational mm. um, in this country, I think. But yeah, Australia, definitely not so much. No, no. Especially yeah. when they, and you, well, I, I'm fascinated by them, especially is it the, anac- the anacondas where they just swallow things. And I'll stare at these videos and then I think, yeah, but just imagine if you met that fate and just like, oh, no, no, never go in there. <laughs> I, this is why Australia is definitely not on my wish list of places to visit because, you yeah. know, there's the spiders a, and I the sharks. I got a spider in Australia. That, um, it, came, it bit me on, I think, because I walked through um, some hedges and I got, um, the webs on me and it was in on my uh, calf I didn't think anything of it because I didn't feel it. it was the next day when I woke up and this thing on my leg was enormous and my mum said hmm, took me straight to the pharmacy you know and he just gave me some luckily it was obviously it wasn't a deadly one else I wouldn't be sitting here but yeah, yeah. so I just thought hmm, you just don't know where these things are yeah Oh, we had a, a, a massive, quite a big one in our bath, and I just let it live there for a few days. Like, That's fine. You have the bath; it's fine. I, I don't need it. And eventually, I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but I did try. But I tried to capture it, and then it jumped, and oh. I had no idea where it went. <laughs> so, <was>. Okay. <laughs> you might have swallowed yeah. it in your sleep because apparently, you sw- we they say you sm- swallow a lot of spiders in your sleep. You'd be surprised. Yeah, is it like average three or something? Three, not three a night, not three a week, maybe. It's quite a few. Okay. I'm wondering whether, because I, sometimes I wake up coughing and I don't know why, and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that's the spider. Oh, no, I'm going to start <laughs> coughing in a minute. My throat's starting to get scratchy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one will be going to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, you'll be awake going, I'm going to kill her. Yeah, that bloody woman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when you started writing, what was the one thing that you were looking forward to doing and has that happened yet? Uh, no, it hasn't happened because the thing I'm looking forward to doing is sitting on Graham Norton's red sofa with Tom Hardy on one side of me and um, Hugh Jackman on the other and Bon Jovi singing. That's really not happened, but that's the one thing I look forward to. <laughs> that's so, dr- the dream. Very specific uh yes. there. and i'd have a lovely red dress on as well it'd be you know it'd be oh it'd be brilliant yes and i and graham would just think i was hilarious it'd be great yeah absolutely <laughs> to be honest if i was sitting at see who but i don't know how i'd be able to speak anyway so oh no he's gorgeous isn't he yeah i saw him in concert a few years ago in manchester he was mate and you just like I didn't realise he used to be on the stage and a singer and all this before he started acting. And, you know, you, for the first 20 minutes, I've got my mouth open thinking, is there anything this guy can't do? He can sing, he can dance, he can act. He's absolutely gorgeous. He's really great to his wife and all this. There's, there must be a flaw somewhere, but I can't find it. And I really hate some people, don't you? It's like, honestly, give someone else a chance. <laughs> oh, he was amazing, though. The concert was out of this world. If you ever get a chance to go and see him, it was af- just after The Greatest Showman, you know, the big phenomenon. And the, oh, it was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go see that, but I could never get tickets. But yeah, I love The Greatest Showman. I've seen that loads of times. Like, I know it word for word, I think. 
Well, I bought it so that every so when I sit and do jigsaws in the living room, I put it on. I'm singing along, not that I can sing, but, you know, the cats don't mind as, as I'm singing at the top of my voice to all the songs. <laughs> um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, Bram Stoker, yeah, because he. he I'd say Bram Stoker and Jeffy Archer because Dracula and Cain and Abel are my two favourite novels. So, yeah, that would, they, they, they would be the people I'd want to spend the day with. Yeah. Maybe still have a chance for Jeffrey Archer, but, you know, if you can get hold of him. Yeah. Yeah, don't hear much about him these days, do you? <laughs> oh, no, I still read his stuff because he's released... Um, he wrote a series of novels, Clifton Chronicles. I don't know whether you've read them, which are really good. They're all on my shelf here. You may or may not be able to see them. They're all here. Um, but he's also, but one of the characters in that was an author, and he created a character called William Warwick. Now Arch is now writing the William Warwick books, so there's four of them, which I've got there, and there's another one due out this year. So he's still writing, yeah. But uh, but I love Dracula. Is uh, like I said, I fell in love with Dracula. I, per, my personal opinion, even though everybody shouts me down on this, to me the novel Dracula is the best love story ever written. I was, it's not a love story. I said, yes, it is. If you look at the underlying, what's underlying it all, yes, it is. And I would, and and it's funny because Bram Stoker, used to, he has written a romance novel. When you look into it, I've never read it. I don't even know whether you could even get hold of it if you wanted to. But yeah, so it's quite interesting because I've taken the, the genre I'm moving into is contemporary romance, albeit the characters. It's not happy, happy romance. The characters have got, they're, they're you know they've got past that they're moving away from and things like that so I call it issues based contemporary fiction <laughs> yeah I thought oh, and when I found out um, Bram Stoker wrote a romance novel as well but that's interesting you know oh, I didn't know that either and I love Dracula it's one of the books I was made to read for my A-level English literature and it was I one that it. I actually was glad I was made to read because I loved it. So well, I've got I've got a big illustrated one here, and I've got Bram Stoker's diaries and all sorts here. So that's that's my thing. And the the Bond series. Now I never said after I'd written the first one, um, people said, "Oh, are they going to get together again?" I went, "No, don't you know anything about me? No, who? No." But now I've written the series. People have said to me, "You do realise this is actually a romance?" I said, "No, it's not." But it is, you know, it's just a slow burn. So across it all, yes, it is a romance across the time. So I just thought, actually, yeah, when you step back, yeah, I have. <laughs> I've written it. I never thought I would, but I have. <laughs> have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I'm in an indie author group online, but, you know, I've not been on the calls for ages, Um because they seem to write prolifically and, you know, it takes me a few couple of years to write a book because I'm so, I mean, um, OCD about everything and needs everything to be perfect. Um, and also going to like the Carnival of Words here, I meet the, I met Mark Billingham last week and um, Millie Johnson and Patricia Bracewell and um, Barbara Erskine I met as well last week. So I meet those people and some of them you stay in touch with, or, you know, you see them at other events and, and stuff like that but yeah and I'm like I'm going to Tales on Trent in a couple of weeks it's it's I did I started going to doing these author signings before the pandemic and went to a few and now you do see familiar faces when you go when you go to them 
So yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I've met um, Bart Billenden's probably one of my favourite people because he's just hilarious. Oh like, yeah, just can't help it. <laughs> yeah, I've met him a few times. I told him off for not remembering my name. Uh, Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been up there. I've been to Harrogate, to the Theakston Old Peculiar. Um, and he said to me, because I, I went for a drink with him last week with a group afterwards, and he said, oh, you should come to Harrogate because he's there this year, isn't he? And um, I, I thought, oh, I don't, I don't know. Because I, I thought the tickets had already gone on sale and they've not gone on sale yet, have they? No. Yeah, yeah, most of them go on sale tomorrow morning. I've got it oh, saved really? on my phone ready because I'm going. I booked my hotel as soon as I came home last year. Um, yeah, well, I, I did that the first because I went just before the pandemic, booked it for the year after, and then it all got canned anyway, so... So, yeah, I haven't got hotels, you see, so that I'd have to just get a day ticket, but it's a hell of a drive from North Wales to bloody Harrogate back in the day. Yeah, same as from Dunstable, which is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bloody Scotland even further. Well, I've never been to bloody Scotland. Again, I was going to go, but then we had the pandemic. But I don't know what it is. Harrogate, I don't seem to mind going on my own, but going up to Scotland on my own and to a big event like that seems a bit daunting for some reason. I think, hmm, I'm not quite sure why that is. I went on my own. I went on my own last year. There you go then. <laughs> yeah, and it was fine. Like generally, you'll find someone you know that you yeah. know. Um, yeah, it was all right. I loved. I love Scotland though. I fell in love with Scotland. It was the first time I've been. So yeah, I spent one day when I didn't have much on, just looking around Stirling. Uh, is that where it where it was yeah. held? Was it? I went up there to look at the university years ago because I was thinking about going to. See, I went and looked at the. Um, the student lodgings and it was um they're like prison cells but that's where they filmed um is it oh god what's the film called is it birdie the film there's there's a oh yeah that was filmed in Stirling university oh. <laughs> but i love edinburgh i think it's the haunt you know because of the the dark past you know because of the ghost tours and the underground cities and i love edinburgh yeah yeah, I've not been. I only went through on the train. So this year when I go up to bloody Scotland, so I'll go to that as well. I'm going to spend a day in Edinburgh first and then go on to Stirling. Right. Is it in Stirling every every year then? Yeah. Oh, okay. In another hotel, I think, mainly. And then they sort of, I think they use two different, well, last year they used two different venues. I think normally they use three because of the pandemic, it was smaller. Right. But it was hybrid as well. So with Bloody Scotland, if you don't go, then you'll be able to see it online if they keep it hybrid this year. All oh, right. So loads of people got to experience it um, because it was broadcast live, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But so they, they can try it then and think, yeah, I want to go sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Plus, you know, for disabled people or people with kids and stuff or people who just simply can't afford it because it is expensive. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's not just the tickets which are expensive. You've then got accommodation, haven't you? And it's like, ugh. Yeah. yeah that's why I booked mine quickly because hopefully <laughs> before they realize the dates of Harrogate and then put all their prices up by getting yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. thankfully the uh, the day passes for Harrogate are only 30 pounds or f for the weekend I think which is pretty good yeah. whereas like the weekend passes are insane I didn't even look but then yeah. you can pick and choose what you go to so that's probably what I'll do yeah excellent yeah yeah um, will you be going to any other than Hells and Trent if you decided? Not this year. Um, I've got a table at Leeds, the Armouries next year. Um, and I'm looking forward to the Bridgerton Ball actually afterwards. <laughs> My mum's already said, she said, don't buy a dress, I'll make you one. Excellent. 
Because her oh. wedding dress apparently was Empire Line, so she says, and I've still got the pattern. I went, great, we just need fabric. Um, and I've got a table at um, Birmingham. Um, yeah. I was going to go. The one that was put off this year. Yeah, but then I called off because the pandemic kind of made me not want to go to anything. Um, but then having had COVID recently, having I would caught it on a reading retreat, believe it or not, that I went on. Um, I thought, well, it is what it is. Just go, you know. Yeah. I need- is that the Commonwealth Games one or that was supposed to be? Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm, um, I'm a sponsor for that. Uh, oh, right. So I'll be going as well. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, Otherwise, nice. shenanigans next year as well, but they oh, take yeah. the up, yeah. I um I've had COVID recently as well. I caught it at my uni graduation of all places. I know, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, and I did, it didn't even cross my mind that I would catch it or that there was any chance because I was so focused on my graduation and then, yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations on your graduation. Thank you. Yeah, I also decided to go back to uni later in life. Yeah. Madness. What did you study? Forensic science. Ah, I'm very jealous now. <laughs> mm, yeah, I would like to like to have done that. Yeah. It was hard, really yeah. hard, especially the last year. <laughs> How many years is, was it? Two, three, or four? Uh, three, but it took me like four and a half. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But yeah, but I did do some really fun stuff and learned some cool things. So yeah, it was yeah. worth it. But wow, it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> well you gotta do these things to push yourself haven't you really yeah oh yeah i don't regret it for a second yeah it's cool um like i've done fingerprinting and played with luminar and stuff yeah i did a day i did a day course at glinda uh, university and we did fingerprinting and i couldn't get the powder stuff to get it looks dead easy and it was like it just went everywhere <laughs> i know it's awful isn't it and if you push too hard then you've ruined it and you have to be really light and, and oh, they do yeah. it it looks dead easy when they do it like oh yeah i could do that and you do it and just go I went, oh. and then we yeah. took the imprint of your trainers and stuff like that and showing you skulls and how to identify is it male female and all this sort of stuff yeah it was fascinating yeah oh yeah it's awesome yeah and I'm always surprised by how porous bones are like they're not these solid mm. things it's like what how is that possible yeah yeah they yeah. got a body, a body well I call it a body farm because after Patricia Cornwell they've got a body farm not far they use for Wrexham so you teach the forensics at Wrexham you see so oh wow said, oh, can, can I go and they're going no <laughs> I wanted to go I suppose if I say I've got a book and I'll put you in it if you let me come and have a look yeah I want to go to the one in Tennessee as part of the reason I started studying forensics is because of the body farm yeah and, you know seeing it and um William Bass the guy that uh started it wrote a book uh, wrote three fiction books actually but he wrote a non-fiction about the body farm. I just thought, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> Is that the one Patricia Cornwell based hers on? Or the one yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the biggest. They've got a few now. But um, Paradise one in Amsterdam. Right, OK. Which yeah. isn't far, so, yeah, I'm just fascinated. It's probably it will, be great. It will be fascinating just to see, the because they obviously they use it, don't they, to see the effects of different temperatures, different soil, you know, if it's buried, half buried, you know, if it gets eaten and all this absolutely fascinating you know, people pull the face when I talk about stuff like this what's wrong with you I know I love it when I find someone I think that's why I like talking to crime writers because I can talk to them about stuff like that and they're not like oh you're weird or gross I'm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's fun <laughs> excellent um what else is, oh do you hear much uh, from your readers 
Um, no, I don't, which is a shame. I think, like you said, I need to get out with somebody cheerleading, get some people cheerleading for me, really. People leave reviews and things like that for me, but I don't hear as much as I'd like. If I go, like when I, you know, the author is signings and stuff like that, quite often people come, oh, I, you know, I've read your books, I love it. And it's really nice, but... Um, I remember going to a few years ago, I was helping run this crime um, talk in Manchester and this and I and I was I, I was the guest. So I was talking about my book. And afterwards, this girl came up to me and she said, oh, my God, I didn't realize it was you. I love you. I love your books. And I'm like looking at it. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got a fan. It's great. Oh. <laughs> Can I have my picture taken with you? I'm going, yeah, great. Hi, this is great. <laughs> and because I've written a children's book, I've had um, when it came out and a couple of years after, I had people sending me pictures of their kids dressed up as my characters for World Book Day and all this kind of Aww. stuff. Like, oh my God, you know, it, it, it really is a great feeling to know that your what you've written has had an, a, an impact on somebody. This is why I love reading reviews, you know, and I, you know, I say, please leave it. If you've read it, please leave a review. And because it means the world to me and that's that's how you get get it known the more reviews you've got the more chance you've got of it spreading out kind of thing because as an introvert I find it very difficult to talk about and go to the and put myself out there it's, I don't know what to say why would anybody be in, interested in me and all this kind of stuff so this is why people say oh haven't you done this haven't you done that? I'm going no you don't realize how hard it is when you're in when you're an introvert it really is hard to do that sort of stuff and if if you're not like that, people just don't understand it, do they? Really? But... No, they don't at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, even when I started doing this, I used I was really shy, and no one believes me, and everyone asked, but I was. Um, and the thought of doing this was horrendous. Like, what on earth did I volunteer, which I did to do this? And I used to get really nervous, but now I love it, so it's fine. But yeah, the thought of you know being on camera and people watching this was like, oh no. Yeah. I never watched them ever. I never watched them back. Yeah. I, I do them and they go out and then that's it and I don't edit because I couldn't possibly bear the thought of going through it again to try and edit it so I always say to people it is what it is I'm not editing it tough yeah no I'm the same I don't like watching myself I'm not a fan of having my picture taken I get really you know I'd rather somebody oh you gotta have your pictures do it when I'm not looking just take those candid shots but you know otherwise because you just do these cheap like Going the carnival of words, I've got my picture taken with Mark Billington. He had his eyes shut. <laughs> I've had a picture with Simon McCleave today, which is actually quite good, and and all the others. And I'll post them on Insta, but I don't want to look too closely because I, I have this habit of zooming in on myself. Going, oh, he could have stood straight. He could have done this. Could have, no, just post it. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. My two school pictures at the end of middle school, the end of upper school, are both. I think one of them I was flicking my hair so I looked stupid and the other one I'm staring at the boy next to me or something so I look stupid and like they're safe forever and honestly what the hell <laughs> but there we go never mind yeah. <laughs> I can easily spot myself because like my high school one's like this long and yeah. I know me because I'm the only one that's not facing the camera basically <laughs> honestly well I used to always get a cold sore whenever it was time for school photos I would always get a cold sore and my mum used to be like what is it with you and cold sores at this time and I said I don't know oh so man yeah turn away try and turn away so we don't have your cold sore on the face <laughs> thanks yeah <laughs> oh dear <laughs> 
Um, okay, so some silly questions before we finish. Uh, who was your first celebrity crush? First celebrity crush? Oh, it must be Frank. Well, Frank Langella, there you go. Definitely, because he's the earliest I can remember falling in love with, but yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, where's the funniest or strangest place you've ever woken up? Um, I would have to say when I did a tour of the America back in 1996, I slept on the top of a camper van and woke up to the um, Blue Ridge Mountains in America. So it's not funny or strange, it's just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I might answer question because I can't think of a funny or strange place really. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of those sorts of, I don't let myself go enough to suddenly wake up in some random place. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Someone turned the question back on me and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't think there is anywhere really because I'm the same. I I don't, uh, yeah, I don't do stuff like that. I've never no. got drunk enough, I don't think, to end up somewhere weird. No, no, no. I, I, I know. I, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. There's just no way I could trust any. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> Basically, the best answers are from guys and they do involve alcohol and they're hilarious. Yes, so I love it. Yes. <laughs> One was out on the boat, I think. He had no idea where he was. He was on the zone on a boat. No idea how he'd got there or anything. Oh, so. right. okay. <laughs> yeah. um, if someone was holding your a gun to your head at a party and you had to perform, what would you do? Oh, God. Perform? As in what? Like sing or dance or party tricks or anything. Well, my party trick is I can touch my nose with my tongue, but I don't really think that's a party trick. Um, what would I do? I'd probably have to try and do a dance of some description, shake my hips and do all this, do a bit of salsa or something, and they'd probably shoot me anyway because I'm not very good. I can't. Well, maybe I should sing because it might put the hands over the ears and then I can run. Yes, that would be the solution. There we go. I'm sure you're not that bad. What would you oh, sing? Would you have a song oh, of choice? I am. Believe me, I'm bad. <laughs> yes, I might. Doesn't stop me, to be fair. No, no. In the, when the acoustics are right in the bathroom, I sound fantastic. Exactly, yeah. Who cares if everyone else is covering their ears? <laughs> and the cats are joining in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh! I forget when I'm at work, that's the trouble sometimes, because I listen to music when I start early. Um, yeah. So I... I because I'm on my own and then um, I forget that sometimes there's other people in the building and they come up and they just look at me I'm like ah shut up <laughs> I don't care <laughs> Lucy I'm not dead up here <laughs> um so what's coming next for you um like I said I'm just changing genres <laughs> so I'm polishing a um contemporary uh, issues based contemporary fiction so it's been the lady who reviewed my early chapters, she said, from Curtis Brown, she said to me, this reminds me of Leanne Moriarty, and she wrote Big Little Lies. So that was a huge compliment. So that's kind of thing. So I've changed the ending. So I did a course at Curtis Brown last year for romance writing, and it was fantastic. I got loads of positive feedback. So I was, I was nervous about writing a different genre because I just thought, I just don't know whether... it's a, And people really love it, love the way, love your characters. You've really brought them to life. So I changed the ending. So I'm now, because I'm quite, like I said, OCD, I'm rereading it probably for the fourth time, looking for errors and spelling mistakes. And, you know, 
but I keep changing it. I keep reading, no, change it. I said, Marie, you have to stop because otherwise you're never going to do anything with it. But what I want to try and do is um, send it. Well, I it's not want to try and do. I'm going to send it out to see if I can get an agent for it. So try and go down a different route. If it doesn't work, then I'll indie publish it. But I've also three quarters written a, um, a paranormal, i say supernatural thriller, really. So Ellie Lawrence, who's one of the characters from the Bond series, at the end of the series, she goes off to do her own thing. And it's about her. So it's almost it's book one in her journey, really, in what she's going to do next. So I've written it. It's going to be written for my dad because it's based on a story he wrote when he was a child. And again, like me, it was a horror story about a serial killer and his teacher told him off. But unlike me, my dad has never, ever picked up a pen again. So I promised myself and my dad, I said, I'm going to write this story. All right, it's going to have my spin on it, but I'm going to write it for you. But every time we start writing it, something else crops up to do and all this. But yeah, so there's that to do. And I'm doing the script. I've written the script for Bonds. So it's pushing this. It's bring, trying to bring that to fruition and seeing if we can take that somewhere because that's my ultimate dream is to see, see um, bombs at least on the big screen, you know, as a movie kind of thing. So it's interesting because you rewrite the book because um, I, I, I don't know whether you've done script writing, but you know, books don't always, they don't translate to the screen. What's in a book you cannot put on the screen. You just can't do it. So I've ended up almost change, changing the story quite a lot. It's the same story, but changing a lot of the backstory to the characters and merging characters together and doing all this. To the point now, somebody asked me, what's Bond's about? I said, no, 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 about, oh, damn, that's the screenplay. No, 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 because <laughs> that's what's current in my head. So it's the same story, but, you know, the backgrounds, the characters have changed, and it's really hard, because I'm like, no, is that the book? Or is that? It's like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> So yeah, so a lot of different things on. I've got, um, during lockdown, I was quite prolific with ideas and I wrote storylines for quite a few books, really. So they're, they're all there waiting in the wings. But um, the contemporary one I'm writing now called Chasing Rainbows is the first in a series. And I, I already know that what the second one's going to be about and the third one. So it's, it's moving forward with that, really. It's just seeing what happens because it's the most I wrote. I wrote Chasing Rainbows during lockdown, and it's the most excited I've ever been to write anything. So that's got to be a sign, really, hasn't it? Definitely. As much as I love vampires and witches and the darkness and all this, and I love writing horror stories and things, and you know, with the twisting and stuff, this was just I a real joy to write. You know. Mm. Awesome. Lots of exciting stuff by the sounds yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Well, you may be relieved to know I don't have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked that you want to tell us about. Um, no, no, I think we've um, not I, I, not what I was expecting at all. I was like, I've got all my books lined up here going, right, what's she going to ask me? What's she going to ask me? <laughs> <laughs> I told no, you. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Do you want a flashy book if you've got to hand it and seem a shame not to show them all? Well, I will. But you just got to excuse all the post-its. Come, you can tell I use this for readings, can't you? So you put my light's probably flashing. So that's Bonds. That's the first one in the series. Um, so that's Becca. She's my heroine. She's my witch. And then we've got Broken Bonds. So this is Anthony, my vampire, on there. So um, that's number two. And then number three is Bonds Rebound. And the series and the final one which i brought out last year is eternal bonds and that's the last in the series so even though i've left it open i i finished it 
but there's threads that I could come back in years to come if I chose to. But I like to leave people to decide on their own what happens sort of thing. But I know we, I talked about my kids' book, so that's The Misfits. So that's the book for children I wrote. And then two collections of short horror stories. So that's Supernaturally one. And this one's Serial Killers and Stuff. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, completely, two completely different things. So, yeah. So that, that's my arsenal today. And then I go and see Simon McLeave, who's written, what, 17 books in two years. It's like, oh. I know. He's just a freak of nature. You can't pay attention to him. Like, he's just, I don't know. Yeah, he's something else. It's amazing. Because then yeah. he said, I write two to 3,000 words a day. I thought that's how he can write so many books. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just before we go, would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can buy your books from? Yeah, um, you can find out more about me from my website, which is marieannecope.com, and it's Anne with an E, don't forget. Um, everything about my books are on there. The links are in there, but if you want to just go straight to Amazon, they're all on Amazon in paperback and Kindle format. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to seeing you a couple of weeks in, in Stoke. I know, do we? No, it's not, not long to go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs>